Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings and welcome once again to Aspieland. I'm John Allen, your host, and I have... Kathy, joining you all. Yes, that's a wonderful thing. This is a podcast for everyone, whether you have Asperger's Syndrome, Autism Spectrum Disorder, or you're a neurotypical. You're all welcome and accepted here. If you're a person on the spectrum, we'd like to help you understand the neurotypical world that we live in. And if you're neurotypical, well, we haven't left you out. We'd like you to know what it's like to live as a person on the spectrum, how we think, how we feel, why do we do the things we do. You can understand more of that through this podcast. Well, I'm glad to have this opportunity to be here together with John and all of you again. We are actually wanting to address some uh, questions and concerns that we've gotten from some listeners, and we really appreciate letters, uh, all your encouragement. Um, That's so exciting for us, and we're very humbled by the listeners from all over the world. Yeah, we're heard in over 50 countries now. Yes, and we thank you so much for taking this time with us. What we wanted to talk about today is part of expressions of concern from uh, the neurotypical partners in a neurodiverse relationship, they are on a journey. They're beginning, actually, the journey. You know, they keep running into some bumps, speed bumps, roadblocks in the relationship. And as they're doing some research and understanding, they're coming to think that maybe possibly their partner is on the spectrum. But what they're running into is when they try to communicate and maybe talk about it with their partner, there's just a wall. There's no response on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. The partner who is suspected of being on the spectrum doesn't even want to hear about it, wants to have nothing to do with it. And so that frustrates the other partner because that really does degrade the communication between you. Even on almost any subject, because after a while, it's just, you know, if I'm not listening, what's the point in talking? Right. If you know what I'm saying. Right. Well, and I think what what has been brought up is the fact that what we wanted to create here was a little safe space so that if the uh, partner that's on the spectrum wanted to just sit and listen to hear about what kind of a struggle it is. That's a good idea. Because for for you on the spectrum, there's probably some hindrances. There's a lot of apprehension mm-hmm. and okay. a lot of supposition that is made in the head mm-hmm. that you just assume, mm-hmm. oh, they're attacking me mm-hmm. or oh, I don't want to do. You know how much money that's going to cost to get a diagnosis? Right. You know, right. or I don't want to go to three doctors and spend four weeks taking tests. That whole idea is scary, and I don't want to deal with that. Right, right. Those are hindrances. Yes. And possible causes for that resistance 
Yes. From yes. the other partner. Yes. But we we talked about, um, and we actually had two podcasts early on in season one. The, fir- uh, the first one was Diagnosis Dilemma. That was podcast 22 on season one that talked about to diagnose or not diagnose and what that was. And those would be good to go back and listen to. And also the big reveal was podcast 23 of season one. It was one right after it that talked about what what that can be like when you do... Uh, when you actually convey to others... Yes. That yes. I found out I have this, or yes. I suspect that I have this. Yes. And so... We, ta- we talked yeah. about those particular things at yes, length. Yes, we but did. But this is like backing it up, backing up the truck a little further back and saying, okay, I, as your spouse, neurotypical, I just, over the years, we keep running into this same sort of things. And I am seeing some things. I just, I want to talk to you about it. And you're not responding. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of put your hand out and the partner who is suspected of being on the spectrum is sitting on their hands and doesn't want to have anything to do with reaching back out right. the other way. And that's how, that's, I mean, as we're trying to express this, the spouses that are reaching out that are neurotypical are saying, I want to improve our relationship. There is something here that we are running into a roadblock. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. to be closer to you. Right. I want to communicate better or learn how to. But what we found in in the situation we were in, and it we didn't honestly think this was going to happen, but having found out that we were neurodiverse made a huge difference because now we can approach each other differently. But And that's a learning process all in itself. Yes, it is. It is. And I think for a partner that's on the spectrum, you mentioned struggles like... Yeah, struggles like feeling like I'm pinned to a wall. Yes. It's not my fault. No, I'm not the problem. You're the problem Mm -hmm. because you keep worrying about this and fretting over it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Leave me alone. Right. Kind of thing. And there is... And I felt like that, by the way. Did you? Okay. So yeah. I, want, I want to make clear for our listeners, regardless on which side of this you're on, I understand what the Spectrum partner is feeling. Yes. Because I was there. We've gone through this. Yes. And so what we're trying to do is to create a conversation where we can help you listeners to wrestle this out. Or, or a conversation starter. To just open the door. Yes. For those of you who are neurotypical partners that are concerned, and rightly so, by the way, yeah, you might not understand entirely from where I sit what that was like. Mm-hmm. Because you have a whole lot of stuff that's in your head that you're, you're hearing and mm-hmm. you're taking in, mm-hmm. especially like from social media which will bring in all kinds of interesting and sometimes not very accurate information. Well, it isn't just social media. It's other medias, too, oh, it, that yes, can be very, kind, lots right, of stigma. Exactly, you're right. Stigma, it's yeah. all kinds of media. Yes. And what you get is this negative view of things, and that sits in your head. Mm-hmm. And so the first things that come up are defensive. 
Mm -hmm. because you've been hearing all this negative talk. Mm -hmm. So you're automatically defensive. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a almost natural thing for me on this side of it to say, it's not my problem. This is your problem. Or I don't want to talk about this. And that's usually a wall that those of us on the spectrum will throw up. We either don't want to deal with the confrontation or we don't want to deal with doctors and keep talking about the same things over and over, mm-hmm. or we're just way into the finance thing and we just can't dig our way out of that. While you, the neurotypical spouse, are trying to love the other person right, and understand them so that your relationship yeah. can grow. And the spouse is, is reaching out because they love the person, and I know that often, and I've felt this way, and it's been expressed by our neurotypical community, you know, that often we feel like we're carrying all of the emotional weight in the relationship. Yeah. Just because the presentation of emotion can often be misinterpreted because, you know, you're busy thinking about something or you care, but it doesn't come out in words or ways that we can under, you know, it isn't communicated clearly. Yes. Part of that is that communication thing we've always been talking about. Right. Where one is, it's like you were talking two completely different languages. Because the way those of us on the spectrum talk, which is linear, we also listen linearly. Mm -hmm. So if you aren't saying it linearly, Mm -hmm. we're not going to understand what you're saying. And then we'll be processing all the time. Right, right. So in other words, being plain. Yes. Saying. Yes, exactly. We need to talk. We need to do it at this point. When are you going to be able to hear me? And or let's listen to a podcast. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I am just the one. one. Yeah, I'm just the one. But anyway, having that and then having the plane, you know, I love you. I care about you. I care about our relationship. I want it to grow and move forward, but I can't seem to get beyond this point. Can you consider this? Can you just even consider that maybe this is something we need to look into? So do you feel like that's a good way to approach it? Yes, it it is. And there are several things we can do on both sides of the aisle that would help foster that. Okay, well, like I just now just came across like this is plain here, here, here. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So that and I be... had no trouble hearing that. It, okay, good. Because good. it was very straightforward without being condescending and without exactly. being fault finding. Exactly. Without a tone. Yeah. Because we'll read tone. Yes. And we might misread a tone. Right, right. Because we're just, we're making assumptions based on past experience. Right. Which may be very negative, but we don't show it and don't talk about it. So you don't know. No. That right, I'm having correct. all these negative experiences exactly. rolling around in my head. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's real difficult for those of us on the spectrum. And if you suspect that your spouse is on the spectrum, you'll find this to be true. It's real difficult for us to express our emotions. We've got tons of emotion. We just don't express it well. It doesn't translate the same way. Like you can be very blunt and honest and plain, which is good. And, and, and I feel like I need to be prepared for that. It always kind of like, whoa, what are you doing here? Yeah. So and that always kind of blows me away. But it's helped me to have that part of the relationship. But 
in the initial stages. What made you decide that it was a good idea to even want to consider it? You didn't press real hard. Mm-hmm. You let me think about it. Okay. You let me have some space. Okay. Now, there were times when you didn't, and mm-hmm. I felt like I mm-hmm. was pinned up against the wall and said, hey, right. back off, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But there was a time where you kind of just backed off just a hair. Right. That gave me a chance to think. Okay. It gave me a chance to get on the web and explore or mm-hmm. find some information, which is what triggered me to have more interest was when I went on the UK site that mm-hmm. we talked about, the too much information thing that mm-hmm. they did. The videos were fabulous. It's trying to find that little trigger, that little thing that's going to say, oh, I do that. Or, oh, I thought that. Mm-hmm. And once you figure out two or three of those, then you're like, well, maybe. And that's all you need. That's mm-hmm. all you need is a, is a neurotypical spouse. It's just that little crack in the mm-hmm. door to be able to communicate with us. Right, right. And sometimes right. we're not very good at that, I'll have to admit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I mean, when you first started talking to me about it, what did you think? Well, that's a good question. As I try to think back on how this progressed, from where I sat, it was kind of rolling around back there, but it was like, yeah, what do you do with that piece of information? We don't know. We don't know what to look at. And and when I did start looking at things, and I've mentioned this many times, the one I happened to kept bumping into was super negative. There's no hope in a neurodiverse relationship. There's no hope. There's, And that's just not true. It's just not true. So sadly, those were some of the initial things. And I have to say that in this process, I had to do grieving. I mean, really grieving the fact that our marriage, our relationship was not going to be what I thought. And I kept trying initially early on. I think we're all working on things in relationship, sure always. Yep, absolutely. But I know there was intense pressures to appear a certain way, act a certain way. And of course, all those things are a struggle in a neurodiverse marriage. Yes, it is. And those were some of the biggest struggles. But when I could grieve that this was not going to look the way I thought and just kind of release you to be who you are, it opened up some sort of space for you to maybe consider it. But you did do some research on your own. So why why did you bother? Was it all about yourself or did you care that our relationship could be changed? You know what? As I think back, I think I really did care. I just kind of didn't want anybody to know. Mm-hmm. It was like, that's my personal thought. I am keeping that to myself. That's mm-hmm. mine. It's all mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't ready to share as much. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I still struggle with some things. Right. Absolutely. We still do. Absolutely. And that's fine. We do. It's we how do. We, it's how we live life and learn. Right. But at the very beginning, I was against it because I was scared. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I was that's scared fair. of the doctors. I didn't want to go to, I didn't want to go to, three different clinics and do all of this other stuff mm-hmm. just to find out that I had something that 
you suspect it anyway. Oh, mm-hmm. well, we could have dispensed with that. We didn't have to. And what money would it have cost? Mm-hmm. You know, those are things that popped into my head. Right. That right. made me standoffish. Because okay. it was like, do we really have to deal with this now? Mm-hmm. You know? Or I ever. can think of, uh, or ever. <laughs> right. And that comes out to being ever in, <laughs> in spectrum language. Now yeah. means ever. Right, it's, right. <laughs> it was difficult. But once I saw a video on the web, and it wasn't, I can't even recall where I saw it. And I ha- I've been looking for it mm-hmm. ever since. So I tell our audience, here, look at this. I can't find it. But I saw this guy talking about how he was feeling and what he was thinking. And I'm going, I think that way. I get that. Mm -hmm. Wow. He thinks just like I do. And as soon as that clicked, Mm -hmm. I realized this is something different. Mm -hmm. This is something important. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I need to do a little digging here because this is popping up in my head and hitting. It pinged me, Mm -hmm. pinged your heart a little bit. And you go, Oh, wow. And so you look into it, trying to figure out what that wow is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's one of those (laughs) kinds of things where you just say, I wish I'd known this before. This would have made things so much easier. And by that time, you were digging into Mm -hmm. it and trying to find things out. Right. I think one of the things we need to mention Mm -hmm. is you were not dictating to me what you found. Right. You let me find my own stuff. Although I did forward you the, the videos from that's, the UK. That's, that's true. You did because you found them first. Yes, I did. That's and right. I thought that was the first positive stuff that I had found that yeah. I thought, well, maybe you can relate to that. Is what is that what life is like for you? And, yeah, and, I and was so like, it resonated. Oh, it yeah, resonated. Oh, brother, do I resonate with this? Mm-hmm. And then it became something that both of us had in common because we both yeah. saw the video. Yes. And they impacted both of us. Yes. So that gave us a platform to at least talk a little bit more than we had to be- right. before. Right. And I also remember that we sat and watched stuff together. Yes. We did watch a few things together. Yes, we did. And that created kind of a, a safe space it did to just kind of oh okay is that what that's like for you is that what's going on huh and what I is th- that like i think one of the things we're trying to do here with mm-hmm. this podcast because that's further down the road right some of the neurotypical spouses are way back and back of that mm-hmm. where they can't share a video and they can't right. get the other person to watch something or read something yes that might resonate with them yes okay well we've as usual talked so much that we've run out of time (laughs) so we're gonna cut it off right here and we'll pick it up on the next podcast which will be a part two and i hope that you'll continue to listen and forward to that discussion yes and Hope that you'll get some really cool things. And and out if of you it. have any thoughts or any any ideas, anybody have any uh, any questions, thoughts, experiences? I mean, everything's private and confidential. But if there's something that is a concern to you, we do like to try to address those things yes, here if we, we can. Do. We we'd and, like to uh, very much. So John's put some new things up on the website that might be really interesting. Or are you yes, talking about that an already? Actual resource page. <laughs> that has books we've recommended and websites that you can actually uh, look through, and maybe that'll help you out a little bit. Yeah, we found those to be helpful resources. Yes, and they worked really well for us, so we love passing them on to you. 
All right, we'll catch you on the next one, and we'll pick up right where we left off, and then we'll talk to you again in the next episode of Aspie Land. Thanks for listening to the Aspie Land podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.